The following sermon, entitled Christ's Will for Young Women, was preached on the morning of January 22, 2023, at Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Redlands, California. If you enjoy listening to our sermons, we encourage you to come worship with us. For more information on upcoming service times and Bible study opportunities, please visit our website at hopeprc.org. Let's open God's Word this morning to Titus chapter 2. The book of Titus, chapter 2. We will read the whole of the chapter. The text for this morning's sermon will be both Titus 2, verses 4 and 5, as well as 1 Timothy 5, verse 14. Titus chapter 2, this is the inspired and therefore infallible Word of our God. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior, as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the Word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you." Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Thus far we read God's Word. The text for this morning's sermon will be Titus 2, Verses 4 and 5, first of all, where we read that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the Word of God be not blasphemed. And along with these verses, we will also consider 1 Timothy 5, verse 14. 1 Timothy 5, verse 14, where Paul says by inspiration, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Encouragement, according to one dictionary, is defined as the giving of support, confidence, and hope. 
It's the persuasion to do something or to continue in doing something, especially when that thing is very difficult. And is there anyone who needs encouragement more than the mothers in the church? For the mothers of the congregation have been given a high, difficult, and arduous calling that often leaves them tired, weary, frustrated, and overwhelmed. To be a mother is no easy task. And so difficult is the task of being a mother in the home that for some, there are even feelings of inadequacy. That feeling that I'm a failure as a mother. And it's in light of that that I say again, is there anyone who needs encouragement more than the mothers in the church? So with that in mind, that we look at these two passages this morning, both of which speak to the calling of mothers in the home and thus provide for the mothers of the congregation that much-needed encouragement. Now, that is not to say that this morning's sermon is only for the mothers of the congregation because there's application that applies more broadly to parenting in general. And thus, not only to those who are currently parents, but to those who one day in the future may well be parents. In addition, we will have opportunity to make explicit application for the single members of the church as well as for husbands. But nevertheless, because God's Word at times focuses on a particular segment in the body of Christ, we do the same in the preaching. And this morning, God's Word comes especially to mothers and sets before us Christ's will for young women. That they marry, that they have children, and that they devote themselves to their homes and families. So this morning, let's consider these two passages, Titus 2, verses 4 and 5, and 1 Timothy 5, verse 14, using as our theme, Christ's will for young women. First, we'll look at the important place Second, at the difficult calling. And then third, and finally, at the Gospel encouragement. The consistent testimony of Scripture is that Christ's will for young women is that they marry, have children, and keep and guide their homes. And that comes out from both passages that we read this morning that make up the text for this morning's sermon. That comes out first of all in 1 Timothy chapter 5. In the context, the Apostle Paul is giving instruction regarding widows. And the question of the chapter is not whether or not to care for the widows, but which widows to enlist to help in a special way in serving the other members of the church. And in verses 11-13, through the Apostle Paul gives reasons why the young women who are already widows at a young age really ought not be set aside for this 
unique position of service in the church. And then when he comes to verse 14, he says this instead is what the young women who are widows in this specific context, but applies broadly to all young women, is found in verse 14. I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, and guide the house. Three things. And we really find those same three things in Titus chapter 2. Titus 2, the Apostle Paul, Paul by inspiration, has given instruction to the different segments of the congregation, to the, to the older men, to the older women, and then to the, to the young women whom the older women are to teach. And we read in verses 4 and 5 concerning the young women that they are to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. And what's noteworthy is that among the eight things that are mentioned there, four of them concern a mother's place in the home. The Apostle Paul speaks of her loving her husband's husband and being obedient to her husband, which implies she's married. Next, he says they are to love their children, which means they have children. And then finally, he says that they are to be keepers at home. They are to serve in the homes of the same three things. But it's not just these two passages. This is the consistent testimony of the entire Word of God. Scripture as a whole teaches us, first of all, that it's Christ's will in general that young women marry. This is the teaching of Genesis 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make an help meet for him. Hebrews 13, verse 4. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. So that in general, it's Christ's will that young women marry. Now certainly, this must always be in the Lord so that the idea is not you must marry no matter what, no matter how ungodly that man may be. Marry in the Lord is the point. But in addition, Scripture teaches us that in general, it's Christ's will that the young married women then have children. This is Genesis 1, verse 28, and God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. That is, have children. Psalm 127, verse 3, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. It speaks of the blessedness of children. And then finally, 1 Timothy 2, verse 15 teaches us, Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in the faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. So that what these verses are teaching us is that in general, it's Christ's will that the young women seek to have children within the context of marriage. And that unless there is some otherwise very good reason, the young women in the church ought not be taking proactive measures to prevent children from coming. There are some rare exceptions, but in general, Christ's will is that the young women seek to have children. But then not only have children, but then devote themselves to the care of their children. And again, this is the testimony of Scripture. This is the teaching of Psalm 128, verse 3. And I quote from the New King James because it captures it better. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart 
of your house. Your children like olive plants around your table. This is Proverbs 31, verse 27. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. That is, she's devoted to her home. She's using all of her time, her energy, her abilities, her resources to care for her family. So that what we see when we look at Scripture as a whole is that it teaches us that Christ's will in general is that the young women marry, have children, and devote themselves to serving in the home. Now women of the congregation, you believe that, right? Is this indeed your biblically founded conviction? Or is there a doubt in your mind about that? That's an important question to face because the world around us, and especially the liberal and progressive feminism movement, despises this truth of God's Word that we have just set forth. You see, Feminism, at least liberal and progressive feminism, is about much, much more than women's rights and women having the right to vote or women having the right to hold office or women having the right to receive an education. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But you see, the heart of feminism is really its opposition against this biblical truth. So that liberal and progressive feminism says to women that this truth that we've just set forth, that's, that's outdated and really that's oppressive for women. Women should not be devoting themselves to their husbands and to their children, but women should be out in society, being leaders in society, leaders in the workplace, leaders in government. That's the place of a woman according to the feminism movement. That's the world's mentality. For hopefully it's abundantly clear from all of the Scripture passages that we read and we could give more that Christ's will for the young women in the church is that they marry, have children, and devote themselves to their families. And I very deliberately say this is Christ's will in light of the wording in 1 Timothy 5, verse 14. There Paul says, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, and guide the house. And the key is, Paul is not speaking as a mere individual. He's not talking as a bachelor who has no clue what he's talking about. He's not speaking as an old fogey who's out of touch. But he's speaking as an apostle of Jesus Christ. That's how he began the entire epistle. 1 Timothy 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. So that everything that follows is not really Paul's will for the church, but it's Christ's will for the church. So that it's Christ who says through the Word of God to us that it's His will that younger women marry, bear children, and guide the house. So that when there are these attacks upon this truth, this ideal for young women, 
We recognize that what stands behind those movements is nothing less than the attacks of the devil and the seed of the serpent who wants to destroy the biblical foundation upon which the home and the family must be built. And as a church, we must not heed that lie of the devil, but we must hear instead the will of Christ for the church that the young women in general marry, have children, and guide and care for their homes. But now for the mothers of the congregation, the tired, weary, frustrated, overwhelmed mothers. Do you see how encouraging this is? In light of this, you are not just a mom. You are not wasting your time, your energy, your gifts, your abilities. You are not squandering the education that you received. And you're not doing something that's insignificant or meaningless. But mothers, you're performing the will of Christ for the young women in the church. There's One is hard-pressed to find a better way to serve your Savior than by living according to this Word and doing so by faith to the glory of our God. To be a mother in the home is to live in the sphere in which God intended the women of the church to live. So that this is indeed pleasing to our God. Being a mother in the home is not something to be embarrassed about. Not something to be ashamed about. But as mothers, you may look forward to hearing your Savior say unto you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Because in the eyes of Jesus Christ, you occupy a position that is far higher, far more important than being a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. You occupy a position that is far more important than being the ruler of a country. Now, that's not how the world esteems being a mother in the home, but what the world thinks does not matter. It's what Christ thinks, and Christ tells us in His Word that His will for the young women in general is that they marry, have children, and devote themselves to caring for those children. And thus, this is a word of encouragement for the mothers of the congregation. This is Christ's will for you. But now, as encouraging as this word is for the mothers, it can be equally discouraging for the single members and for the barren. That is, for those who want nothing more than to be married and to have children of their own. And 
for the young women in the church who are not, sometimes there's that feeling of being stuck. Typically, it's the guy who takes the initiative and no one has asked me out of late. And that's a grief. And then there's the grief of not being able to have children. Even if one is married, there's the barrenness. Or maybe you've had a child, but the longing is for more children. It's in light of those examples that we have made a point of saying Christ's will in general is that the young women marry, have children, and care for those children because there are exceptions. There are some for whom this is not His will. And for those who endure this grief, you may know you have a sympathetic Savior. For as Isaiah 63 verse 9 teaches us, in all their affliction, He was afflicted and the angel of His presence saved them. The angel of the Lord. That's the pre-incarnate Christ and it's teaching us that He is afflicted in our affliction. So that when we go through some trouble, whether it be being single against our will, whether it be barren, or whether it be some other difficulty, it's not because we have a, a cruel, heartless, cold Savior and ruler. It's not as though He doesn't care about you and your difficulties. But the truth of Scripture is that He is sympathetic toward you. His heart is full of mercy, of pity and compassion. And as our high priest, He's making intercession for us. He's praying on our behalf, bringing our needs before our God. And God will certainly hear Him. He will do so either by one day granting you your heart's desire, and insofar as He does not grant that desire, He will hear Christ's prayer by giving you the grace, the strength to live and to submit according to His wise, loving, and good plan for your life. Now as you wait for Him to potentially give you a spouse, to give you children, consider that He may well have you that His will may well be that you serve Him in other ways. In other ways that you would not be able to serve Him if you had children and were called to devote your time, your energy, and ability to your family. It may well be that He would have you serve in a unique capacity within the church even as is described in 1 Timothy 5 as a whole. And the calling of women too. To help, not just office bearers, in serving in the church of Jesus Christ. But now, having considered Christ's will in general, that the young women marry, have children, and guide and keep their homes, we want to look at the calling the difficult calling that comes to mothers. And really, then we're focusing on that third element. We've said it's Christ's will that young women 
marry, have children, and guide and keep their homes. But now we want to take that last part and really unpack it and see what's all included in that. We're going to do that by putting the calling of a mother under three broad headings. Really, there's more. And under each heading, there's dozens, if not hundreds, of different aspects of that calling. But for the sake of simplicity, we'll have three broad headings of the difficult calling of a mother. First, mothers, be sure you take heed to your own spiritual welfare. And we say that in light of Titus chapter 2. For we made a point of saying that in Titus 2, verses 4 and 5, four of the eight things that are mentioned concern a mother's place in the home. But now we need to note that the other four are different spiritual virtues that the women are called to cultivate in their lives. The young women are to be sober, first of all. They are to be discreet, chaste, and good. And now it goes beyond the time that we have this morning to elaborate on each one of those in particular, but when you put them all together, the point is, even while the mothers are preoccupied caring for their homes and families, they may not neglect the care of their own souls. These are things they must cultivate. So that's teaching us positively this need for the women to take care of their own spiritual lives. And that also comes out from the end of verse 5 where we read that the Word of God be not blasphemed. That is, the mothers, the women in the congregation are to conduct themselves in such a way that they do not give occasion for the enemies of the church to speak evil against the Gospel and to speak evil about our God. Which happens when the women are walking in sin. When the women are walking in a way that's contrary to Christ's will for the church. And now when you take all these things and put them together, what it's teaching us is that the mothers are to take heed to their spiritual well-being. Even as that's the calling for every office bearer in the church. That's the context in 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy 5 is similar instruction, but the end of chapter 4 we read, Paul saying to Timothy as a minister in the church, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, and in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And what's so noteworthy is the order in which Paul puts this. We would expect the Apostle Paul to say, first of all, take heed to your doctrine, that is your teaching, and then make sure to give a little time for yourself, but that's not the order. He starts with, take heed to thyself, Timothy. And the point is because if you don't take heed to yourself spiritually as an office bearer, you're not going to be able to take heed to the flock and to your calling. Now the point we're making this morning is that this applies for mothers as well. How are mothers ever going to keep their homes if they do not first of all keep their own hearts? It won't happen. At least they will not be able to keep their homes in the way that Christ prescribes for them in His Word. 
For as we read earlier, mothers are to look well to the ways of her house, but if she's not taking heed to herself spiritually, then she will be instead eating that bread of idleness. Instead of being sober and discreet, that is self-controlled, she will lack control and will instead be given to anger and to all sorts of different emotions. Instead of being good and kind, to use the language of Titus 2, verses 4 and 5, she will be irritable. She'll be cruel. And all of this underscores the importance that mothers tend to their own spiritual lives. And now in saying this, I am in no way minimizing the difficulty of this. Because on the rare occasion that my wife needs me to take care of the children in the morning, and I'm trying to get my own devotions done while watching the children, it does not take very long before I just want to shout, would you just please let me finish my devotions? And every mother here says, that's my daily experience. I know it's difficult. At least I have a beginning of the knowledge of the difficulty. But the key is to not allow that difficulty of finding time for your devotions and finding time to tend to your spiritual life to keep you from it altogether. And now I encourage the women of the congregation to talk among yourselves tips, helps, methods for finding that time to tend to your own spiritual life, whether it's getting up a little bit early, whether it's you listen to a sermon or some edifying podcast while you're washing the dishes or whatever it may be, ladies of the congregation, talk about that amongst yourselves. To give a long list of how-to in the sermon is, is not appropriate and we don't have the time for that. But here, the overarching point that mothers in the home are to tend to their own spiritual well-being. That first of all. Second, mothers are to provide loving care for their families. Loving care for their families. And by putting loving and care together, we are really capturing two parts of the text and combining them. Because on the one hand, these passages that make up the text for this morning's sermon set before us the calling of mothers to love. That comes out in Titus chapter 2. Titus 2 verses, verse 4 ends with to love their husbands and to love their children. And really, the way this is put in the original is stronger than just a calling to love, but the way it's worded in the original is that mothers are to be husband lovers and to be children lovers. So that this is not just something done outwardly, but something done from the heart. This is not just something done on occasion, but this is a mindset, a mentality. Something that's true at all times. Be husband lovers and children lovers. So on the one hand, there's the calling of mothers to love. But then on the other hand, there's that calling for them to care for their homes and their families. And that comes out in both passages. In Titus chapter 2, verse 5, 
Young women are taught to be discreet, chaste, and this. Keepers at home. Keepers at home. And the idea is they are to care for their houses. Mothers are to perform the duties and responsibilities that belong to the household. The same idea is expressed in 1 Timothy 5, verse 14, where they're taught to marry, bear children, and to guide the house. That is, to manage the home. To take care of it. And now under the second heading of the calling of a mother, we're taking this loving and this caring and combining them together and saying that mothers are to provide that loving care. That is, as they go about performing all the duties, the responsibilities of a household, they are to do so out of love. Love for their husbands. Love for their children. So that it's not just this to-do list that I have to get done, but this is a part of how Christ Himself would have me to serve and to express my love for my family. And that includes showing that love even during the not-so-pleasant parts of being a mother when there's the diaper that needs to be changed, when there's the, the mess that needs to be cleaned up, when there's the fighting siblings that need to be separated. Rather than going about that work angry all the time, sighing and moaning, expressing frustration, and thereby leaving the impression that you view your family as nothing more than an inconvenience, mothers are to be loving in that work too. Tender. Patient. Gentle while at the same time being firm when need be. The care provided in the home is to be loving care. Because was it not love that saved you, dear mother? It was. It was the love of God that made Him willing to send His only begotten Son to come into this world to die for our sins. And He has sent His Spirit to live and dwell in our hearts. And He's shed His love abroad in our hearts. And now that love that He has put into our hearts is to flow forth from the hearts of mothers to all those who are placed in their lives, but especially to their husbands and their children. So the first broad heading of the calling of a mother is to take heed to your own spiritual well-being. Second, provide loving care in the home. And third, there is that calling to instruct the children of the home. This is a calling that's clearly assigned to parents in general throughout Scripture. For example, in Deuteronomy 6, verse 7, we read, And thou shalt teach them, the children, teach them God's commandments diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Teach God's Word to the children. The clear calling of the text. And that comes out also in Titus chapter 2. It's really from the context because 
verse 3 sets before the call sets before the church the calling of the elder women and a part of that calling is at the end of verse 3 teachers of good things and really the beginning of verse 4 is a continuation of that idea that they that is the older women may teach the younger women to be and then what follows everything that makes up the calling of the younger women so there's this idea of Older women teaching younger women. And for the mothers in the home, there's a sense in which you belong to both categories. You are the young women who rightly look to the aged women in the congregation. The women with experience. And ask them for good guidance and counsel. The older women are to teach the younger women. But now there's also a sense in which mothers are the older women in that they've been given children under them. Children whom they are to teach. So mothers are to instruct. To instruct along the lines of Titus 2, verse 1, where we read, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Mothers are to provide instruction in the truths of God's Word, the teachings of Scripture, but then also the things that become sound doctrine. That is, how we are to live in harmony with the truths that are set forth in God's Word. This requires patience. Remember, our children do not know everything that we know. It takes time for them to learn. And even when we've told them something multiple times, we still have the calling to teach them again and again because how many spiritual lessons must have we taken so long to learn? We've had to hear it so many times before it finally sinks in. Mothers in the home are to instruct. And above all, that means setting forth before our children Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The heart of the instruction is to be about our Savior. And everything is to be tied back to Him so that it's all subservient to leading our little ones to Christ. So there are these three broad headings. And under each heading, there are dozens, if not hundreds, of specific applications, specific aspects of this calling. And it's when we consider what's all included in the calling of a mother, is it any wonder that mothers are at times tired, weary, frustrated, and overwhelmed. Especially when you add on top of that some of the great difficulties associated with being a mother in the home. The less than pleasant aspects that start with the effects of pregnancy and childbirth on one's body and on one's mind. That includes that feeling of helplessness when that child is crying uncontrollably. You've done everything you can to try to console them and nothing has worked and you feel utterly helpless. 
includes the willful disobedience of children who show that there really is foolishness bound up in their heart. When those children get older, there's the worry about who are they with? What are they doing when they are away from home? It's really no surprise at all when you think about it that mothers are often frazzled. And that for some, there is even that feeling of inadequacy. That feeling, I'm a failure as a mother. And that's why if there's anyone who needs encouragement, it's the mothers of the congregation. So husbands, are we giving them that encouragement? Are we giving them support? Confidence? Hope? And they're calling. Or are we ourselves part of the problem? It's a temptation for us men when we see our wives frazzled at their wit's end that we ourselves become critical of them. And start to put them down. You need to get your act together, honey. But insofar as that's how we respond to the difficulties that our wives, mothers in the home, encounter, we are hindering rather than helping. As husbands, we need to be there to help and to support our wives. And that applies to each of those three broad headings so that as husbands, we must tend to the spiritual nourishment of our wives. Whether that's in the devotions we lead at night, whether it's making sure she has the time to have her own personal devotions, whatever it may be, we must care for them spiritually. And then when it comes to those duties in the homes and responsibilities, this Word of God must not be twisted to say, well, the mothers, they're the keepers, they're the guides of the home. It's all on her to wash the dishes and to clean up after that spill and take care of little Junior in his needs. That's not the point. Yes, that may fall on her primarily, but not to the exclusion of the help of husbands and fathers in the home. And then with regard to the instruction and really the discipline that's implied in that, as fathers, we must remember that's primarily our responsibility. There, we are the ones who stand on the foreground and our wives are helping us. And we must see to it that our children are being instructed and that they are being disciplined and that if they are disobeying their mothers, a dad is there to support and to see to it that children do obey their mothers. But now in all of that, as fathers and husbands, we are to encourage our wives. And that's the clear teaching of Scripture. 
That's Proverbs 31, verse 28. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. He praises his wife. He says to her, thank you for all that you do in the home, for all the sacrifices that you make. He, he builds her up. He, he encourages her. He reminds her that, honey, in the eyes of Christ, there's no position more important. There's nothing better you could be doing with your life. And above all, He gives her the Gospel encouragement that she needs more than anything. And it's that Gospel encouragement that we want to end with. Encouragement that husbands are to bring to their wives and encouragement for wives. Mothers sitting in the congregation this morning. There are four things to bring to your attention under the heading of the Gospel encouragement. First, mothers, there is the good news that there is both forgiveness and strength to be found in Jesus Christ. And that's good news because almost certainly every mother here after hearing this threefold calling has thought, I fall so short. I have sinned as a mother. But now, the response, the proper response, is not simply and only to say, well, I heard the calling and now I'm going to try to do better. That's not where the response should begin. But instead, having been reminded, here's the difficult calling. This is Christ's will for mothers. When we see that we fall short of that as mothers, the proper response is to say, I have sinned and take that sin and bring it to the foot of the cross and to confess it. Father, this is how I've fallen short in these specific ways and to cry out for forgiveness. And the good news of the Gospel is that there is forgiveness because Christ Jesus took upon Himself our sin, our guilt, and He bore it to the cross of Calvary. He paid the debt that we owe, including the debt that we incur as parents. That sin too was paid for at the cross of Calvary. So there's forgiveness. But not only forgiveness, there's strength. Because as mothers we say, this calling is so difficult. The bar, the bar is so high. I don't have the strength. It's not in me to live that way. And when as mothers you go to your Savior saying that, His merciful response is to tell you my grace is sufficient. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. So ask Him each morning as you begin your day, 
Help me. Strengthen me. Uphold me. Gift me the spiritual grace I need to live according to Thy will as a mother in the home. And the good news of the Gospel is that there is strength to be found in Christ. That first of all is the encouragement from others. Second, there is the encouragement that your identity is in Jesus Christ. Now when we speak of our identity, we're talking about the thing that's most important about us. The thing that defines us. And thus the thing in which we have our worth, our value as an individual. And the temptation for all of us, including mothers, is to find our identity somewhere other than Christ. So that for mothers, the temptation is to think your sense of worth, your sense of value is wrapped up in having a neat living room, gourmet homemade meals on the table each night at a specific time, peaceful walks with the stroller, and well-behaved children. And that if my life does not measure up to that standard that I have in my head for what a mother should be like, then I'm worthless. But mothers, that's thinking is contrary to Scripture. Because our identity, what defines us, the most important thing about us is that we belong to Christ. That's our identity. That we are His blood-bought sheep for whom He laid down His life. And that on the basis of His saving work, mothers are daughters of the Most High God. Precious to Him. Valuable to Him. That's your identity, mothers. And let that be encouragement for you. Now along with that, third, there is the encouragement of knowing that Christ's saving work extends to the hearts and lives of our children. As a congregation, we baptize infants. We had four of them baptized this morning because we believe that children are a part of God's covenant and a part of Christ's kingdom. For even as Christ Jesus received and blessed the children who were brought to Him in Mark 10, so He continues that. Receiving the children of believers and blessing them according to the decree of election. And what an encouragement that is. That's encouragement when a passage like Proverbs 22, verse 6 comes to us and says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And it's in light of God's promises that as parents, as mothers, we can breathe a giant sigh of relief. It doesn't depend on me. It's not based on my performance as a mother, as a parent in the home. It's not ultimately up to me to save my child and how well I do at training him or her up. But this is Christ's work. And He is a sovereign Savior. And He will use weak and sinful means 
as instruments in His hand for the salvation of His own. And for the mothers, this gives confidence. This is deliverance from that that doubt and that despair. I failed here. I, I wasn't very good at this for the longest time. I'm still struggling in this area. The encouragement for mothers is that Christ's saving work extends to the hearts and lives of our children. And note well, He is able to use one godly spouse, one godly mother to that end. So there's Gospel encouragement for mothers. The encouragement that there is forgiveness and strength in Christ. The encouragement that our identity is in Christ. The encouragement that Christ's saving work extends to our children. And fourth and finally, the encouragement that your labors as a mother are pleasing to your Savior. Hebrews 6, verse 10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward His name, in that ye have ministered to His saints and do minister. In many ways, being a mother is a thankless job. So much of what mothers do goes entirely unnoticed. As children, as husbands, we often fail to say thanks and to praise mothers as they ought to be. But God is not unfaithful to forget it. It does not go unnoticed by Him. Though it may go unnoticed by others, the labors of a mother in the home when by God's grace and through faith and to the glory of God, she seeks to keep and to guide her home. That is pleasing to our Savior. And so mothers, take heart and seek to serve your Savior in this way and thereby live according to His will. Amen. Father in Heaven, we thank Thee for Thy grace and for the power of Thy grace at work in the hearts of mothers in the church. Strengthen those who are mothers, uphold them by Thy gracious, omnipotent hand and give to them all that they stand in need of for this high, but at the same time difficult calling. Hear this prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.